0: country with your host, Dave Woods. This is the radio show where country music gets up close and personal. Spend some time in the country and get to know our guests. Spend some time in the country where the music's the best. The latest news and memories to great stories that get told.
1: It's my great pleasure now to welcome to the show country artist Marie Bottrell. She was inducted into the Canadian Country Music Hall of Fame back in 2010, and, man, she still puts on great shows. I've had a chance to see her perform at a Tin Pan North show and at the Legend Show, which was part of this year's CCMAs in London, Ontario, which is the area Marie is from. Lots to talk about and some great music to play as well. Welcome to the show, Marie.
2: Hello. Thank you for having me.
1: It is my honor. The first time you are appearing on the show, and I all I have to say is, it's about time.
2: <laughs> Did you have trouble tracking me down? <laughs>
1: there you go. I had to find your people so they could get to you and get to my people, and so it took a bit of time.
2: There we go. It's a complicated <laughs> thing, the music business, isn't it? <laughs>
1: But I had a great time, as I mentioned, uh, you know, watching you perform at, um, earlier this year, Tin Pan North. I got to MC the night, and then I, was, of course, got to hear you sing. Oh, that was so it much fun. Perfect. I had so much
2: fun that night. Wasn't there, that a great yeah. night? It was a great Tin night. Tin Pan hmm. North is such a,
1: uh, a great event and hosted by NSAI. And uh, just a chance to hear uh, an artist with, uh, you know, a guitar, uh, you know, Wendell Ferguson playing that night, and a vocal. And you were amazing. Thank
2: you. Yeah, um, it's you know those nice little intimate things where you can talk about how a song came to be or a story behind the song and and just kinda perform it in a in its raw form, like how it would sound when somebody sat down and and wrote the song, you know, without all the production behind it. It's kinda cool.
1: Yeah, I love I love songwriting rounds and hearing songs done that way and, and sometimes from the original songwriter. And that night we had, talk about uh, great talent on that stage with you. There was Gil Grand, of course, Amy Skye, mm-hmm. and we had the Wilkinsons, Wilkinsons and Small Town Pistols, which are Amanda and Tyler and all together the Wilkinsons, yeah. with Dad Steve. Aren't they amazing?
2: Oh, absolutely amazing! It was, and it was really nice too. I'd never uh, had the opportunity to meet Amy before, so that was um, really nice to connect with her. And um, you know, we became friends on Facebook and have chatted a few times. So that, that's very
1: cool. Oh, that's great. Absolutely, and that all took place at Hughes Room in Toronto, and then at the CCMAs most recently, uh, and in London, Ontario, you were part of the Legend Show, and I was there. Man, I enjoyed that whole night. The pairings of artists they had wasn't that and a great show? The- yeah, I loved it. It was amazing.
2: Mm-hmm. It's a very neat idea pairing, you know, some of the, you know, the the you know older artists and and with the you know the newer artists of today, and it's and a uh, it's kind of neat.
1: It's a great thing. It's, uh, yeah, the past and the present, but but they're all together and all sounding great, and you were there with the Abrams, and man, you guys were great, and when you started to sing Shania's No One Needs to Know, I was blown away. You did such a great job on it.
2: (laughs) Thank you. Thanks. (laughs) Appreciate it. Aren't they
1: amazing, the Abrams? They're doing so well. A couple of brothers, and uh, man, are they talented. They
2: sure are. I was on a bluegrass festival with them this summer up in Manitoulin. And, um, yeah, they were just, they're just, like, top shelf. I just, yeah, I can't brag on them enough. They're great.
1: Anybody to compliment my
2: shoes, I have to like.
1: (laughs) (laughs) They noticed your shoes, did they? They did. Well, country music is known for, as you know, Marie, great people, very nice people, and it must be, be awesome to be part of the country music family.
2: It really is, and it was it was funny. I was um having a conversation with somebody last night um, about sitting at the big gala dinner during the Country Music Awards week, and um they down they kind of had all the Hall of Fame people um, sitting at tables grouped together more or less within within the crowd. So it was nice because, um, you know, you could turn to the table on one side of you and, you know, the Mercy Brothers were over there and I knew all of them. And, you know, at the other table there was somebody <laughs> else I knew. And then at one point there was myself and Carolyn Don Johnson and Michelle Wright and Patricia Conroy and Tracy Brown. Wow. And we were all sitting around the table chatting with each other because we all have known each other for a long time, like twenty Nine years or some stupid thing And I, I was just thinking You know, um, I don't know If it'll be like that for the new artists Today, starting out It's The art, the industry's just changed So much, and I don't know If they get a chance to form all those Friendships the way all of us Did, kind of, you know Following each other into, like Bars, we needed to do those Six-nighters, or I knew Tracy Brown Really well from taping all the Family Brown shows And, and mm-hmm. um so, it, but it was just kind of, it was just really kind of cool. I, I had that observation and it just kind of struck me, you know?
1: Interesting. Yeah, it, it really is a connection when you are involved with music and the people that you're involved with on the same path. And as you said, you know, you've known those people over the years and uh, pretty strong yeah. friendships.
2: Yeah, it was, it was kind of a cool moment.
1: The uh, CCMAs, of course, are wonderful, not just the awards, but the whole organization. They've been very good to you over the years, and in fact, uh, back in 2010, as I mentioned off the top of the show, you were inducted into the Canadian Country Music Hall of Fame. What an honor, Marie. Can you take us back to that year and that time and how that all felt? I was
2: blown away when I got that phone call. I was, I don't know, doing something at home that was, you know, a mundane house chore, cleaning the toilet or something (laughs) phone rings and it was like guess what this is you know it was sheila hamilton that called me and it was like um we just wanted to let you know that um you're going to be inducted into the you know the, the hall of fame this year and i'm like what <laughs> it was like i was so taken aback and um it was really neat and they treated us great they flew myself and my husband out and we went to all of the festivities, and you know, I got to perform with Carolyn Don Johnson that night, and she, she sang "Does Your Heart Still Belong to Me." We kind of did a duet on it, and it, it was just it was wow. a wonderful memory for sure. Isn't
1: it for being great? Being an
2: old broad in the industry, you know,
1: <laughs> <laughs> pretty amazing to uh, get that acknowledgement, as you said, and to uh, sort of be a part of your career, to be in the Hall of Fame. I mean, that's uh, that's a pretty uh, pretty amazing honor.
2: Well, it absolutely is, and I mean, I don't know, <clears throat> I never really think about a lot of those kind of things, and so, you know, I just kind of go along, and I love to sing, and I'm always focusing on, you know, getting work mm-hmm. and actively being creative and trying to work and do something that I love, and, um, and then when those things come along, it's just icing on the cake. It's like, wow, I get rewarded for this. Awesome. <laughs>
1: You mentioned at age 11 with the Whitestone County Band. That was uh, the band with your family. Was it your two older brothers?
2: Um, my 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 brother. He was the only guy, the poor thing. And um, <laughs> myself, my sister, and my sister-in-law.
1: And, a, and then a few years later, at the age of 17, with uh, the Mercy Brothers MBS yeah. label, you had an album out, Just Reach Out and Touch Me was the single. What did that feel like yeah. at that point, Marie? 17 years old, and you've got a single on the radio.
2: It was kind of crazy. I mean, the first time you hear something on the radio, theres I mean, there's nothing like that moment, you know. And, um, and then, you know, went out on the road uh, full time, I think, for, you know, the better part of, you know, 20 years. I, you know, I used to do like between 40 and 45 weeks a year, Away from home on the road, so it was. Wow. You know, it was. It was hard work. It was a grind. But you, you know, you're you're young and have lots of energy back then when you're doing it, and um, you don't think about it as being hard. But you know, but it was. Looking back on it, it was. It was hard work.
1: And you did so many of those great TV shows around that time. And one of them that I loved was the, the Tommy Ronnie Hunter Proffitt
2: show. The Ronnie show and Tommy Hunter. The Ronnie Probit show. Family Brown.
1: Um, Family Brown.
2: Yeah, Ray Saint Germain show. Oh, yeah, there was a there was a million of them back then. It was great.
1: It was a great time. I mean, there was a lot of variety of shows in general and music shows, but for country music specifically, there were all the ones we mentioned mm-hmm. there. And uh, what was it like to be on those shows? And uh, obviously, great exposure across Canada.
2: It was great exposure, and especially you have to remember back in the '80s when all those were really popular. Um, Sun Country, that was another one. Um, when uh, when all those shows were popular, I mean, there wasn't a CMT that um, people could turn on and see you on a video. Like, mm-hmm. um, it was just a, it was a different time, you know. N- now an artist can launch a video and kind of be a little choosier on what gigs they accept to go on, and, you know, to showcase themselves. Where back in the day, it was like get in a van with, you know, four hairy-legged old cowboys and travel across the country <laughs> and play every smoky bar in the world, and some of them had bikers and strippers in them and <laughs> hope that you came back alive. <laughs> <You know? laughs> they slap you on the back and wish you the best. That was, that was the way it was back then. And so those TV shows right. were great because it was, you know, some, some exposure that otherwise you wouldn't have gotten.
1: It was almost like the social media of today. Just as far as the exposure, because now of course you you go online and you tweet, and you know people do that, and uh, that's how you promote yourself these days. But so back then, it was through the TV exactly. shows, radio, of course, which is still the case, and and great country magazines that have been out there.
2: Well, it's funny how things change because now if I have musicians that I want to hire for a show, and I want them to learn something, you can just you know send an MP3, and like within two seconds they have it, and. You know, right. I can remember making cassette tapes and copying them from cassette tape to cassette tape and making four sure. copies and having them go to the post office and mail them to everybody. And <laughs> <laughs> that was a lot of work.
1: It's amazing. Exactly, amazing. Um, you know, we've all been there and, and remember those times: cassette tapes, and uh, before that, eight tracks, and, and vinyl, of course. Now it's interesting that vinyls come back to a certain degree. It's kind of a cool thing now to, to buy a vinyl yes. record, and even young people like it.
2: Yes, and you can even you know buy all the replicas of all the old. Turntables and they're making them again for people to play them, right? Because they kind of have come back yeah. again.
1: Let's talk about your back influences, again. Marie. Who are the artists when you were getting into music and growing up and getting influenced? Who are the ones that uh, you looked up to?
2: Well, I, you know, I had a kind of a handful of them. Um, it would have been definitely Patsy Cline, um, Dolly Parton, and Emmylou Harris and Linda Ronstadt. I, I listened to a lot of them. I was a Glenn Campbell junkie and a Merle Haggard junkie. And um nice. so that was kinda of, Tammy Winnett, too, that was kind of my that was kind of my those were my staples and um uh you know kind of a lot of difference in, you know, Glenn Campbell to you know, Linda Ronstadt and stuff, but um I I like a lot of different kinds of music, so um I I guess that was sort of presenting itself back then too. I just didn't really think mm-hmm. about it, you know. But um when I think about stuff I used to sing on the road It was kind of like that, too. I remember doing, you know, I'd be in Saskatchewan somewhere, and I did a Nicolette Larson song. Um, We did a Pure Prairie League song, and then, you know, and then I was doing a Patsy song. And so it was like, Mm -hmm. I always kind of had a mixed bag of stuff on the road.
1: And, and, you know, that was country radio back in the day. There was just that mixture of stuff. You had Kenny Rogers doing, you know, something like Lady, more on the pop side, ballad side. and. There was really a mixture in some of the artists you mentioned there. That sort of, uh, but it all fits together.
2: Yeah, exactly.
1: The Grand Old Opry. Tell me about some of your experiences there, Marie.
2: Well, when I was, this is like back when I was 16. They did a, I don't think they've ever done it again. But the Grand Old Opry did a Canadian run, like a Grand Old Opry Canada tour. And my mm-hmm. very first single, Just Reach Out and Touch Me, was out and I was lucky enough to get a spot on the show as the opening act and I sang two songs. I sang that song and I sang Blue Bayou. <laughs> that was a the big hit right then. And Oh yeah,
1: Linda Ronda, for sure.
2: Yeah. And uh we traveled, you know, all the way to the east to the east coast and um and did those shows and so that was that was kind of my first, you know, real taste of the music industry And um, Oh there was a ton of people On that show I remember um, Jeannie Pruitt Was on it And you know Fat Sheets Was a big song Back then And Mm -hmm. Minnie Pearl Was on it And um, Just like a ton of people All the All the regular Opry Stars of the day And uh, They were very Very nice to me And encouraged me And um, That was That was um, Like A thrill To get to do that As you know, and you don't really realize when you're 16, you know, what a coup that is to land that gig. But, you know, looking mm-hmm. back on it and think, wow, I was really fortunate to have that.
1: Yeah, some some opportunities, I guess, when you're caught up in it, it just happens. But it, upon reflection is when you realize, wow, that was really cool. Sometimes it takes a bit of time, right, to have it, it all does. sink in. It,
2: to digest it all and look back on it and go, wow. Yeah, it's very true. <laughs>
1: What about people you've met over the years, Marie? I'm sure that you had a chance to meet some of those idols you grew up listening to and people you heard on the mm-hmm. radio. And uh, care, and I know there's tons to name from, to choose from, but to any that come to mind that were, like, real big thrill to, to finally meet?
2: Well, two of them. I I, I toured in, in Canada and opened several shows with, um, with Lee Greenwood and with uh, Marty Robbins back in the day. And
0: wow.
2: they were both... Um, really nice to not only to me, but all the guys in my band and stuff. And um, uh, a memory that I have of Marty Robbins was uh, him coming to my dressing room and he had my album and he asked me to autograph it for him. And I thought that was really sweet. (laughs)
1: That is really sweet. So nice.
2: (laughs) And uh, Lee Greenwood, I remember, I don't know, we were at Kitchener or somewhere we were, I had a horrible headache. And he ran around and came and found me and he'd, brought me a glass of water and an aspirin for my headache. And I just thought that was so sweet of him to do that for me. So, yeah, they were both really kind oh. to all of us and really down to earth. And um, the guys in the band had a great time with their bands and stuff. So it was it was a, a very good memory.
1: I'm a huge fan of Lee Greenwoods, and I've had the chance to interview him twice over the years and grew up listening to his stuff. Uh, IOU was one of the first I heard of his oh, great yeah. ballad. Dixie yeah. Road. He is such. He's got such an amazing voice.
2: He sure does. And um, I just, you know, he was he was really hot right back then in the '80s, and (laughs) and like, you know, people would go crazy with all the great band with harmonies and stuff that were just like nuts. The harmonies, and it was yeah, it was he was something else.
1: I want to turn to some of your music, and then we have lots more to chat about. In fact, we're going to talk about Michelle Wright and uh, a talent competition in London, Ontario, when she got her start, and you were involved in that. We won't, we won't give away too much more. Let's uh, turn to Everybody Wants to Be Single. And this is one that I asked if we could play because it's one of my favorites of yours, and it is so catchy. Uh, tell me a bit about that song. Um, well,
2: that was on, I guess, my second RCA uh, project. And um you know, just uh you know, you're just looking for something kind of catchy to to put out there and uh it just had such a great melody and some fun lines in it and um one of those things that you just record it and then afterwards you're in the studio and you're listening back to, to things. So sometimes songs change in production and everything and you're like that sounds like a single. And um that was just one of those songs. We we put it out as uh as a single and it did it did real well.
1: And it's still one that when you do at your shows, uh people are very receptive to. They remember it and uh and it still sounds great. Well, I'm, still I'm, it I'm
2: so honored they remember it because it I'm telling you, that was a long time ago now. The eighties seemed like a <laughs> long time ago to me.
1: Yeah, it's funny with time, I mean in one sense it seems like yesterday, but as you say it's it's not exactly yesterday, but but the music stays fresh, so it kind of kind of bridges the time. Um, let's share that yeah. song on the show now from my guest Marie Bottrell. This is her great song. Everybody wants to be single, on in the country.
0: Lifetime things, all i it, ain't what it used to be.
1: artist marie bottrell is joining me on the show and we just heard everybody wants to be single and you can visit marie online at marie when you were getting ready to do albums marie what was that like did you have a bunch of demos pitched to you and then you spent you know hours and days going through them and listening
2: yes and you'd argue with you know record labels and <laughs> your management about you know you'd have different opinions on on songs some people thought that's the, just exactly the kind of song that you should record, and you're like, no, it, I don't like it, and uh, or I, I don't think it suits my voice, and they're saying yes, it will, and you know, there's a lot of that goes on, all that kind of kind of stuff, and so, you know, it's mm. kind of like a marriage you have to like battle it out in, and, and um, sometimes you compromise and go, okay, I'll do that one, but I want to do this one, and uh, and you know, it's 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 a hard thing to do because an album also kinda needs to have a thread of continuity through it a little bit, right? So it's Mm -hmm. sometimes the song can be like the odd man out and it's just not gonna it might be a great song, but it's kind of the odd man out on the on the collection. So it Right. It might not work. And so you kinda get into kind of that. Usually when that happens it's your favorite song or something, you know?
1: (laughs) That's that's so cool the way um you know with that the whole album concept and sometimes artists did a whole theme for an album, or at least it was a collection of songs, you know, uh, which was cool about uh, buying a full album. I mean, you can still do it these days, a CD, but instead of just getting one song, it's nice to have a full package that an artist has put out.
2: Yeah, exactly. And, um, you know, we were talking about CDs and stuff. I mean, that's the one thing that I find that's just changed so much is how people buy music now, right? If they can just it on iTunes and they buy individual songs mm-hmm. here and there and um, it's just there's just um, the music industry as far as you know when it became digital and all this everything has just just changed so fast and so rapidly mm-hmm. over the years that um, it's just you know it's just a different time for for music in general I think
1: absolutely for sure uh, you do a couple of tribute shows one is a Dolly Parton show and one is a Patsy Cline show. Tell me about that. Those are, of course, country musical legends, to say the least. What is it like to do tribute shows, Marie? <laughs>
2: well, you know, I kind of fell into it by by accident. Probably 20 years ago or 21 years ago, I got a phone call from uh, the artistic director of um, uh, here in Country Playhouse, and he said, you know, we want to put on. This was kind of there was there wasn't a lot of Patsy tributes. On the go back then, and um, he said we want to put on a Patsy Cline uh, theater production here at the at, at the Here in Country Playhouse, and um, your name kind of came across the table. But um, would you go to Toronto to the director of the of the of the play and audition for it? So I'm like, sure. So I went and auditioned, got the part, and then we did a two month run at uh, Here and Country Playhouse with it. And um, I've done several different Patsy productions over the years, but um, I finally wrote my own called the Divine Patsy Klein. Just launched it um, actually a couple of weeks ago in uh, a nice little soft seat theater in uh, Hanover. And um, I I write and produce and star in several different tribute shows. One called Dynamic Duos, which it's um, and they all have full piece band and. Um, Dynamic duos is kind of a fun show. It's famous duet partners. So I have Rick Lokes and myself, and we we cover Porter and Dolly, and, and Conway and Loretta, and George right. and Tammy. But it's all very period. It's taking place in late the late '60s and early '70s. So we oh, yeah. are all in vintage clothing, and yep. you know the whole look is all sort of appropriate. It takes it's it's a lot of effort to buy costumes. I mean, I. I was on I'll eBay bet. forever trying to buy old vintage, you know, men's suits for Rick and stuff. And so it's it's quite the process to put a show together, but
1: mm-hmm. that sounds amazing. It's fun. I like are, it. Yeah, people in the audience would be taken back to that time, and uh, as you said, through the through the outfits and the music and the whole style. Uh, and I love that era of country music.
2: It's fun because we do. I mean, Porter and Dolly used to do. Um, commercials on the porter wagner show for breeze laundry detergent and we have a box of the breeze detergent we do we do the commercials and stuff so people oh, like that so it's cool. fun right
1: can people find out more at com about these shows if they want to uh, look them up
2: they can and i'm also on facebook so if you just look me up on facebook you'll find me
1: you can find Marie. Now, speaking of duets, Marie, do you have a dream duet partner from the past or someone at some point you'd like to share the stage with and sing a duet? Who do you think you'd pair up nicely with?
2: Uh, well, when I, when, I was a, when I was a kid, it would have definitely been Glenn Campbell. <laughs> and mm-hmm. as an Amazing. adult woman, it, w- it would definitely be Keith Urban. <laughs>
1: <laughs> from Glen to Keith.
2: Well, Glenn Campbell was my Keith Urban when I was 11 or 12, right. so okay. there you go.
1: <laughs> and I think uh, Glenn was an influence to Keith. I mean, obviously an influence to lots of them, but I think in his guitar playing and that. But uh, his what do you like about playing, Keith Urban? Absolutely.
2: He's so interesting to watch on stage, like him playing that guitar. And, I mean, it just makes the thing sing. And I've always liked his records. I saw him, actually, um, when he was Keith Urban in the ranch in a little crappy right. bar in Nashville that held like a hundred people and it was like a CD release party for Keith Urban and the Ranch and um, I was down there on a writing trip of some kind and I somebody was going there and they took me with them and um, I went with them and I, I remember just being like blown away by this guy's singing and stuff and his guitar mm-hmm. playing and how much music they got out of just the three of them And um, and then you know, a couple of years later, uh, but but for the grace of God, go I came on CMT, and I'm like, I recognize that right. voice. And I came out, and it was like, that's Keith Urban. So, yeah, it was kind of cool. So um, I've always liked him for a long time.
1: Yeah, it's amazing. I remember when he was with the ranch and some stuff on CMT early on, and then the song you mentioned, and uh, just song after song after song, and, uh, and he is where he is today. That's amazing. Uh, if yeah, we go back in sure. time again to somebody and their early start, you were there at the beginning with Michelle Wright, and uh, Michelle was on the show not too right. long ago, and she talked about this, the uh, talent competition, BX93 in London, you were one of the judges, and I'll let you take the story from there.
2: Well, I think it got down to a little bit of a heated debate between Michelle and another another artist that was, was on it, and um, I just kind of dug in my heels and really fought for the shell and uh And I'm glad that I did because obviously at least that time I was right. <laughs>
1: Isn't that great? I mean, I remember listening to um, CHAM, 820 CHAM was a station I used to see yeah. a lot, 640 CFGM, of course, with the two big stations sort of in the Toronto area, CHAM and Hamilton, but hearing Michelle right on there in the beginning with Cliff Dumas, and when she started out right in the beginning, very close to the beginning when she got on radio anyway, and uh, so you made a great choice there, you saw something in her, and of course, now she is, you know, a legend
2: absolutely and uh it was fun to spend some time with michelle during the country music week we we actually shared a dressing room together um at centennial hall here when we did the did the legend show and so it was fun to just be able to you know we both talked about menopause and hot flashes and stuff <laughs> <laughs> had a few laughs backstage so that was really fun <laughs> that's
1: hilarious that is so funny. It's again, it's those great friendships that go over the years, and you share the music in common, and of course, you guys can relate to uh, things in the music business and struggles and the good times and all that. So it really bonds you.
2: Well, it's true, and I mean, you kind of have to remember we were all in, in a lot of ways little kids when we started, and you know, now we're all grown up, and so we have that history together,
0: right?
1: Hmm you can't You can't beat history at all, what would you say to a new artist on on the scenery if they were to you know be at a setting where they would ask you for a bit of advice and uh, you've seen your career, you've seen other artists' careers develop. What would you say to them, even just to tell them to stick to it and not give up if it's not happening as quickly as they'd like?
2: Yeah, you know it, it's like I said, I think it goes back to the reason you're doing it the love of what you do and um you know when you're when you're first starting out you you're so focused on every rung of the ladder attaining a new goal and you have to realize that at some point in your career you'll you'll reach the top of that ladder and when you come down the other side of it it isn't near as much fun so you you have to make sure that you even though it's hard work, that you enjoy that climb up to where you're trying to reach, you know, take time to enjoy mm-hmm. it because one day when you come down the other side of it and you're, you know, it's it's just different, you know. and mm-hmm. um, um, And to just not be too trusting to the wrong people that are around you. Keep good, solid people around you that, you know, have your back,
1: you know. Absolutely. I, know. I mean... As you know, that can happen in the music business, right? You can uh, I guess get connected to somebody who doesn't have your best interests at heart or is in it for the money, and uh, you need the right people around you.
2: Absolutely, and I mean, um I had a conversation with somebody about this the other day how you know how social media has changed everything and and i said I said something to everybody's you know um everyone's everyone has a fabulous life on Facebook but do we all really? You know what I mean? It's like, and so Mm -hmm. I think sometimes you can kind of get caught up in all of that, and you know, you just got to keep your head down and do what you do and not worry about somebody else, right?
1: Oh, totally. I mean, there's so many distractions around us, and as you said, with social media, we're putting our best selves out there, and uh, it's not the 100% representation of our lives, because That'd be too much to put on there, and uh, we want to put ourselves in the best light. But you're right, you can't. I guess that speaks kind of to not um, looking at somebody else and thinking, man, they've got it all, and making yourself feel insecure because they don't have it all.
2: No, no one no one does, right? So it's like um, very earlier on in my career, somebody said to me one day, you know, if the grass is always greener on the other side, then you better stay home and water your own lawn. And that's, you know. <laughs> that's great. It's kind of true, right? We all have to just kind of focus mm-hmm. on our own, making our own stuff at the best that we can.
1: So. Absolutely, yeah. It, it's so much about f- yeah, focusing on what you have and appreciating it and, uh, and doing all those good things. But uh, let's talk about some of the venues over the years, Marie, that you've performed at. I know there's been a lot. Do any stick out as far as uh, great music venues that you've uh, been able to perform at?
2: Well, you know, it depends. I mean, there was a lot of... Um, big jamborees and stuff that were were really great to play. Um and then you know who doesn't like playing in a nice soft seat theater somewhere. But I mean, so it's I mean, not one specific thing really sticks out in my b- brain really. It was just sort of the mm-hmm. who you were touring with at the time or, or a memory that was fantastic. Even in somewhere that was a crappy little bar, sometimes, like, some great things happened, and it was wonderful. Mm-hmm. So it's, it was always just more about, you know, what happened that night or the music that happened that night. And um, But, I mean, it yeah, was always great to play all the, the bigger shows and stuff, for
1: sure. Makes sense, yeah. So much of it would be the people, the artists that, uh, you know, not only share the stage with, but you have a chance, of course, to talk to them and hang out with them a lot. And so I, I'm I sure a, a lot of those fun I have a worst memory. You didn't ask me that one, though. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Let's do I a worst a... memory for Marie Buttrell.
2: <laughs> it was an outdoor festival. It was like one of those big three-day kind of but festivals. It was huge. It was somewhere in Manitoba. And I got there with my band, and it was a motorcycle gang that was the security at it, and uh, <laughs> kind of a riot ensued, and um, a bunch of people were hurt and had to be hospitalized, and oh um, I didn't get paid, and um, I had two bikers on each side of me when I was told I wasn't going to get paid, so we just right. kind of turned around and, you know, laughed <laughs> And drove on to the next show. <laughs> <laughs> that's oh my probably goodness. my worst, my worst memory. But yeah,
1: yeah, yeah that's I was not usually a good night really, really good list. at
2: collecting my pay, even when club owners didn't want to pay me in a day. But that time, I just sort of thought better of it, and just thought that time I better just be quiet and just go on home. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Is there anything, Marie, that you haven't done yet in music? that you would like to do, whether it's a certain style of music or a tribute show of some kind, Uh, anything you've got on a list of goals for the future? Uh,
2: Well, you know, I'm always, um, I mean, I'm not actively recording anymore. Um, I would like to actually put out a collection of something, even if it wasn't, you know, for Radio Airplay, to have something to sell live Mm -hmm. at shows that... um, Mm-hmm. is how I sound now, because I don't sound at all really like I did when I was actively recording. And so because that was so long ago, that would be the last thing on on vinyl or whatever that people have of me to know what I sounded like, and I really don't sound like that anymore. Right. My voice really matured back in my 40s and kind of changed the bottom register in my voice, really developed. And um, some of that, I think when you... Do tribute shows And you have to take on Learning different tricks Of different artists To become You know More like them And how you sing um, mm-hmm. It takes you out of Your comfort zone A little bit Or out of your wheelhouse And you have to learn To do n- new little tricks With your voice And um, I, Like I think that actually Helped me become A better singer In a lot of ways
1: is interesting? So I
2: would like to Record something Just to, to Have it To say this is what I actually sound like now um, whether I will or not, I don't know, but um, I would. I,
1: I think would it's a great idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As you yeah. said, people at uh, your shows could get it. It could be your songs. Maybe you could cover some famous Canadian country songs, uh, whatever the concept. I think it would be cool for people to hear Marie Buttrell today.
2: Yeah, and um, I'm always thinking of new ideas for, for different tribute shows and stuff. So uh, you never know what might pop
1: up.
0: <laughs>
1: that is so that is so cool. Like, For example, when you do the tribute for Dolly Parton and you had to learn her style of singing, how did you get into Dolly's voice?
2: Well, I've always been accused a little bit over the years of sounding a little <laughs> bit like Dolly, and if I sing in a certain mm-hmm. register, it's, it's more obvious. Um, um, but if I really kind of try to, when I'm doing a tribute show, it's can sound more. The singing part comes easier than her than her talking, but she has to talk really quiet to, you know, with a whispery. She has a lot of air in her voice when she talks, and right. um, so. But I mean, it's once you get all the garb on, and then I mean, she's exhausting to do because Dolly's on town all the time, and she talks really fast, and she's always hyper and whatever. And so I'm usually really tired <laughs> when I'm done doing that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, where does Dolly get that energy? She. Uh... 70 years ago. I don't old, know, but touring, I wish he'd bottle it and sell
2: some of it to me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> wow, I think it's amazing that you can do a Dolly tribute show and a Patsy tribute show and get into their voice and uh, character and all that. Let's turn to one of your songs now, Premeditated Love. And uh, before I play it here on the show, Marie, tell me a bit about the song.
2: Well, I co wrote that song with a fellow from Nashville by the name of Don Framer. And. Um, we just sort of used a lot of imagery in this song, and my funniest memory—I think I just told the story at the Chinpan Pan uh, North, but um, I performed at a maximum security facility in Edmonton, and. Um, this was a single for me at the time, and, you know, because there's lines in it like, you know, ball and chain for two, and, you know, we would both been looking so guilty, and they're going to throw the book at us and lock us away and all this kind of stuff. And, I, you know, I was like, do I really want to sing this song in here? And I didn't really know if I should or not, And um, but I did, and, um, they, like, they went crazy. And um, so, but I was uh, I was thinking to myself, what am I doing? But um, it, it, it was one of those things that turned out okay. <laughs>
1: What an appropriate place to play a song like that Or an ironic place
2: Exactly I think I said something to them I don't know whether I should do this song or not But I think I have a captive audience So I'm going to do it And they thought that was pretty
1: funny That's a really funny line, Marie. I love that. That's so cool. And I love country music, uh, this part of it, all of it, but this part specifically with the play on words um, is always fun, premeditated love and, as you said, guilty and different things. I like that uh, style of writing.
2: Country music is full of those. Like, I mean, you know, even, like, back in the day, all through the 50s and 60s, you know, that was that's kind of like a staple in country music, those little play on words that, that get you, Mm. you know, and I I
1: love that too Mm. about it. Yeah, it's really cool. Let's hear that great song now. My guest, Marie Buttrell, this is Premeditated Love on In the Country. And that is Ontario's own Marie Bottrell. The song is called Premeditated Love, and it's been great chatting with Marie all this time. My goodness, some great stories, great songs, of course. Uh, country radio over the years has been very good to you, Marie. Do you have some great memories of, uh, you know, doing all the radio station visits and and, and talking to the oh,
2: DJs yeah. and getting your music out there? I still have a lot of... Um friendships through through doing all of that, and, uh, you know, you'd roll into a city, and um, a lot of times um, a station would come in on, like, a Friday night or something and, um, like, tape a set live and air it and, and different things like that, and, um, you know, you'd get up in the in the morning and head on down to the radio station and do a little on-air thing with somebody, and then, you know, it was great, and I loved I loved doing that. I didn't know it was, like, getting up early in the morning, but I always had fun doing it, but it was, Yeah.
1: A lot of a lot of early mornings for sure. And of course, we know and love a guy, you've known him for a long time. Uh Randy Owen from Tilsonburg of course a, a radio legend and he hosted oh, the legend Randy, show. Yes. And, and does so much Randy is actually my Randy.
2: voiceover on all of my pre recorded uh radio bits oh, wow. for my Patsy Klein show. He's my Rockin' Randy character that uh ramblin' Randy that comes on and, and talks. So <laughs> I get to hear his voice when I do the show, even when he's not there. <laughs>
1: oh that's amazing, what a great guy and that's uh, a friendship that goes back quite a ways
2: for sure, it absolutely is
1: Maria, I want to thank you so much for being here great to to share the time it's flown by, but we got to cover a lot about your career and uh, play just a couple of your songs, so people can head to YouTube and uh, check out some past videos and different things there, and thanks so much for being here Maria, it's been a real pleasure
2: well thank you very much for, for having me and it's been a pleasure for me to share some fun stories with you too
1: I look forward to uh, seeing you perform at another venue soon. As I said, uh, Tin Pan North and the Legend Show, and I can't wait to to catch another Marie Bottrell show.
0: Thanks for tuning in, everyone. My
1: guest once again has been country artist Marie Bottrell. I'm Dave Woods, and that'll wrap up this edition of In the Country.